This is Martha, Stephen, and Mark. And this is a nice bonus. When we were recording the 90s consoles episode, Mark found out about all these awesome Sega Genesis accessories. So many. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And we couldn't fit it in the episode, um, but we thought it was so interesting that we still want you to be able to hear it. Um, So here is your special bonus episode. I hope you enjoy it. Nice. So okay, so that that's a whole that's a whole topic on its own, and I, and I that's all I really wanted to talk about. Mm-hmm. But um, what going through all this, I stumbled upon a million Sega Genesis affiliated products. Oh wow! And so I want to talk about some of those because they're so interesting. Because Sega was the only company that really got in bed with this idea of like licensing across everything, and part of the reason is because um, Sega of America and Sega of Japan didn't really talk to each other a lot. <laughs> <laughs> There's a there's a great uh, book um, by the um, the former president of Sega of America uh, that talks about this era in in Sega's history mm-hmm. and and it's very interesting. We'll link that in the show notes as well. Um, I read that book; it's very cool. Um, and so you really hear about how like the the you know the the bad decisions about the Sega Saturn, the the Dreamcast launch, all of that stuff. Part of the reason why Sega floundered so badly is because they had like tons of internal debates. And fiefdoms, and it was just a badly run company for the longest time. Mm. Um, it, as much as we love to think of them as like a little ahead of their time and like a little bit sort of um, unfairly uh, uh, um, caught by quirks of history, yeah. a lot of the mistakes that were their own, and mm. and it, that that really gets into it. And this is some of the evidence of that. But um, uh, when people talk about uh, the Sega Genesis stuff. Like Sega CD is the first thing you think of. That's the yeah. first add-on. Yep. Uh, that was in 1990, late 91 in Japan, 92 in America. And um, it, was, it was really designed and created to compete with the other CD things of the time. So like the, the, the CDI, like the um, Super Nintendo CD that never came, the, the Sega CD itself, even though it's the most popular example of it now, was also designed to compete with existing products that were already out there. Sure. Um, like the, the TurboGrafx CD, the Amiga 32 CD, which was a Commodore project. Oh. That's another thing we could talk about where Commodore, was a, they were a computer manufacturer, but most famous for, for the Commodore 64, mm-hmm. which was a PC, but people felt treated it like a games console. Yeah. And they were a computer maker. And so they had took that 80s computer maker idea into the 90s with them and then that didn't work very well uh anyways um but the uh, the sega cd was meant to just use the genesis as its computing uh platform and then just have that extra storage those 650 megs those sweet sweet megs but um they found that they couldn't get read speed fast enough it didn't work quite well so they put in a, 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 a its own processor chip and ram into the Sega CD that was more powerful than the Genesis. It was basically its own console, Mm -hmm. but they sold it as an add-on, even though they didn't exactly have to. I mean, the technology, it it couldn't work without the Genesis, but when they were designing it, when they decided that they needed this extra stuff, they could have just made a new console, but they didn't because they were leveraging on their existing install base. And the Genesis was selling incredibly well at this time. It was the number one console. And so it wasn't a bad decision, although in hindsight, it seems kind of suspect. uh, okay, so the other thing that's interesting about the Sega CD and the Genesis is a lot of people know that the Genesis had two different models, had an earlier model and a later model, uh, like a, a revision. Nintendo products have done this. It's not, mm-hmm. It wasn't that uncommon. But the Sega CD also had that. And because you had to physically attach these things together, they weren't the first model of one wasn't really compatible with the second model of the other. Oh, goodness. Except for it came with like a little spacer and mounting bracket so you could actually get them together. 
Okay. Which is like kind of interesting. Yeah, I mean, you got to do to keep your install base. <laughs> yeah, but the first version of the Sega CD was this uh, you put it right underneath the Gen- the first version of the Genesis and it was a slot loading device. And the second one was this like uh, attachment you put on the side. It was a completely different form factor. Uh-huh. Um it, like I don't know why they they redesigned it so completely. Uh-huh. Um, partly to make it a little cheaper because it had a top loading slot instead of a a, 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 a mechanical drawer. Uh-huh. Um, but the second model was much more attractive and more reliable. Mm. But anyways, um, but it was sort of interesting. You had to uh, for the first version of the Genesis in order to get stereo sound with Sega CD, you had to plug in a uh, um, a head or like a, an aux cable into the headphone jack of the Sega Genesis. That's right. The Sega Genesis had a headphone jack on the console itself. <laughs> Um, the first version of it did and you had to plug that cable on the front of the Genesis and then into the back of the Sega CD so that you could get stereo sound out of the Sega so this nice. yeah the, not everything worked perfectly <laughs> back when yeah and that's really interesting um, the Sega the 32X is the other uh, add-on that people know the Genesis for um, and that was a uh, it, it, it was a, this little little bulbous thing that stuck into the top of a it was like a giant game genie basically um, you stuck it into the cartridge slot and it was this extra processor. It was a 32-bit system. And again, an add-on when it didn't necessarily have to be. But again, it was trying to leverage that existing uh, um, uh, install base. And the interesting thing about the CD, the 32X, is it came out in 1994, which is the same year that the, the Sega Saturn came out. Oh. And the, the, the 32X was a product of Sega of America. Um, yeah. Uh, not... not 100%, but it, they were pushing it. Um, the Genesis was so popular in America, and um, and they just were doing everything they could to like continue that run. And the, the Saturn was a new product, right? And Sega of Japan was working on that. And uh, and and so they kind of worked on it in parallel, mm. and they didn't. They, they the instruction sets were completely different. They're both thirty two bit consoles. Yeah. But the uh, if I was a developer making a game for one. And I was like, you know what? I want to get that Sega audience, right? Well, I'll make a I'll make a Saturn game, but like maybe I'll make a 32x port as well. I'm like, nope, couldn't do that because they're totally different architectures, right, yeah. completely nothing to do with each other. Um, uh, really, really weird. And it's strange that uh, Sega CD was um, uh, Sega of Japan didn't even give Sega of or, of America like prototypes of the Sega CD. Oh, and then the 32x, the next add-on was something that that. The Sega of America was re- it's the whole thing is this corporate drama. It's hilarious, mm. um, but it came out in the same year as the Saturn, and so it ended up being this. It ended up being the mistake that destroyed Sega mm. because they didn't have enough uh, time. They did. They there was uh, market confusion. Which system do I buy? I have a Genesis, so if I buy this thing, I can play more games. But they're also making this brand new thing that they're selling to me. What do I? Well, those I could just get myself a PlayStation. Like, yeah, <laughs> you know, <laughs> right, right. That was really that was the that was the discussion people had. Like the brand brand uh, brand loyalty to Sega wasn't strong enough, mm-hmm. and I think they just thought it was. Mm. Um, yeah, very strange. And I was I was definitely a Sega kid growing up. Like I I had a Sega Saturn, and I'm like, why didn't I ever have a 32X? It's like because I got a Sega Saturn. Is why. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, and I didn't realize how close they you know it was just within months of each other. Really, yeah. that, that those those systems were released. Right. I always got those confused. I know Sega Genesis, and I mm-hmm. uh, one of my cousins had that, but like. I never understood like the difference between the Sega uh, Saturn and the Sega all the other ones, the yeah. Sega thirty two X and stuff. Yes, yeah. I mean confusing. I was the, I was the exact right age to to be marketed to for that stuff. Yeah, and I got it, mm-hmm. but like I wasn't excited by any of it. Right, like it did not seem cool. Yeah, like 
partly because this add-on idea like the it was something that was that's what all these even Nintendo they all yeah. thought this was how it was going to increase longevity of their devices yeah uh, new technology will add our new, the new technology to our systems. Sega was the only one that really pushed it hard and mm-hmm. was only had any success with it. And so, at, by the time, and they were still doing it, and they were still thinking that, like, that, because it worked for them a little bit. Yeah. But they didn't realize that everybody else had moved on from that point. Like, right. Nintendo was like, okay, well, we'll just cancel this, and we're, we're gonna we're moving on to our Project Reality or whatever. Mm-hmm. And and uh, you know, and Sony was like, well, we we're, we're this is our first out of the gate. We'll just start with this, like. So uh, Sega just thought that they had the world with them on this idea, yeah. but it, it, it only took a year or two, but like everyone had given up on it and it was just them trying to push for it. Yeah. But then of course they were also releasing the Saturn. So <laughs> like, you know, just the whole lot, whole lot of mess. Fun fact, the Saturn had a cartridge slot that was never used for anything. Hey, I think you could get like a, a Ram cartridge or something, but no. <laughs> Yeah, uh, another really strange thing. So, okay, that's that's the most people know a lot of that already. Like, if you're my age, you know most of this. Mm. Um, the rest of this is just a bunch of crazy stuff that uh, uh, that I'm learning a little bit for the first time, and some of it I vaguely remember from that time. Mm-hmm. One is the um, uh, well, the first thing I should say is that if you bought both of these attachments, there were six games that you could buy that only worked if you had both attachments. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> a, a more confusing marketing stuff, uh-huh. including a version of a Night Trap, that sort of famous full motion video game that yeah. recently got a re-release because of like nostalgia for terrible things, I guess. Yeah. Um, but also that game and its appearance on the Sega CD is what led to the uh, the ESRB. The, right. Yes. It, it, like very directly, and so mm-hmm. Sega definitely has a specific hand to play in that. Um, okay, so the Sega CDX, right? CDX. What did, what could the CDX possibly be, Stephen? What do you think the CDX is? Uh, has has CDs in it? Uh-huh. You put CDs in it, and this it X is. Well, well, yeah. What is it? <laughs> if you've been listening to me at all for the past twenty minutes, there's a lot of stuff. <laughs> I read ahead in the notes. So <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, this was a failure. Okay. So <laughs> this I I remember when the CDX came out. I'm like, oh, okay. They made a thing. Where you get the Sega CD and the 32X in one device. Oh, see, no, right? I literally did not pick up on any of that, and I did hear all of the things you were saying. Uh huh. <laughs> well, it, you ruined my gag because you're supposed to pick up on that because it's the only most obvious interpretation. Oh, uh, but that's not what it is. <laughs> what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's not that. Okay. What it is, it's a. It looks like a portable CD player. Yeah. Like a like a disc man. Uh huh. Um. It. But you could plug it into the wall and into your television. Yeah. It would play. And it was a Genesis plus a Sega CD, but not a 32X, even though it was okay. called the CDX. Um, but the interesting, the most, and it was also released in 1994. Oh. So it's not like they had any excuse to not name it that. Yeah. Right. Um, but the interesting thing about it is that if you, you could put some AA batteries in it and you can use it like a Discman. Oh. It, it played, oh. you couldn't play video games on the go. It didn't have a screen. Yeah. But it was basically just a, a, a Discman that you could plug into your TV and was also a Sega Genesis. Oh, okay. Very strange, yeah. And they released this in 1994, mm-hmm. and just like all the other things they released in 1994. Yeah. And I thought that was really interesting. But yeah, the, the name is what really got me. It's like, it, it just they just didn't know what they were doing. Uh-huh. Um, anyways, um, the other thing that, uh, the next one is called the Mega Jet. 
Now, this was a, a, a portable Genesis that was like a handheld, right? Yeah. But it didn't have a screen. It was just a, the console was in your hand. The uh, cartridge went right in the thing. Okay. And then you plugged it into, um, it didn't have batteries either. Mm-hmm. So what was the point of this? It was for um, in-flight video games. Oh, neat. So it was Japan only, and it was, it was a Genesis that you played in your airplane seat on, the, on a screen uh, that was attached to, an, uh, in those days, an armrest. It was like a little uh, uh, LED or LCD display, I believe it was. Okay. And um, th- that was interesting. And then they did sell it uh, in Japan in like department stores for a while. And the idea was that there were some, you could play it in a, in a car if yeah. you had like an in-car entertainment system. Which in 1994, like nobody did. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, but and then you you charge it with a cigarette lighter. Um, ah. But what's interesting about this is a Japan only product. It then directly inspired uh, um, Sega of America to use that form. Once you can miniaturize the Genesis hardware mm-hmm. in, in something that was handheld, they said, "Well, let's just make a handheld version of the Genesis." So they did. It's called the Nomad, oh. and it was basically uh, if if you know the Sega Game Gear, yeah, um, it was basically that, but the Genesis. Okay, uh, it's three inch screen. Uh, you, you put these giant cartridges on the top of it, but it was just totally portable. Mm-hmm. It ate batteries like nobody's business, oh. but it had video out, and you could plug with an AC adapter. So basically, it was like a it was sw- the switch. It was before a switch the before switch. the switch. Yep, exactly. <laughs> cool. It was the only console that was handheld and a home console. Oh. Um, but when you plugged it in, you had to play on the. It had one controller port yeah. for player two. So oh sure. So you, you had to, you, but you had to hold the. Controller. So it was like the Wii U plus the. <laughs> a little bit, yeah, <laughs> yeah, sort of. Um, and I thought I thought that was really interesting. But what's interesting about it too is that um, it's a handheld Genesis, whereas the Game Gear was actually a handheld version of um, Sega's eight-bit home console, the Master System. Mm. the The Game Gear was basically the same hardware in a portable form. Now, the Master System didn't sell very well in America at all, so most people don't know that. But most of the Game Gear library was Master System ports, just directly, um, because that's how that worked. So Sega had a, a history of reusing its things, but they spent a lot of 1994 just making stuff. <laughs> like, it's pretty crazy. Okay. Um, the uh, last two are really interesting. They're just a, another sort of combination Genesis plus Sega CD. Um, once the JVC Wonder Mega, this was made by JVC. So again, licensing the technology yeah. instead of producing it themselves. Yeah. It was also a karaoke machine <laughs> for no reason. Well, <laughs> sounds like an 80s thing, not a 90s thing. It does. Wonder but, Mega. <laughs> yeah, <Ooh>. I know. <laughs> and then the uh, AWA Mega CD ah. was also a Genesis plus Sega CD. Okay. But it was also a, a cassette CD boombox. Uh, okay <laughs> sure just for no reason at all yeah like, all of these came out 1994 well done well yeah. done sega so like i think it is interesting because i think a lot of the failure of sega as being this like sega of japan wanting to move on to the saturn and sega of america wanting to hold on to the genesis that's that's the thing i think about yeah but really these nonsense devices they released in 1984 was split between the regions mm-hmm. so like it was a pretty much it was a um they all headed headed off that cliff together um, <laughs> and as yeah. a as a sega kid like it's hard to come to terms to, with that mm-hmm. you know yeah to think like that they weren't just like uh cheated out of success in that era no they were just really bad. <laughs> and I, I mean, I never had a Dreamcast, so I don't know. Wow. Th- that's what people cling to these days as, the, as the, the, the one that went too soon. But Yeah, it's really, it sounds like they made a ton of mistakes and then did something good, but it's too late. Almost. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I like the Saturn. I mean, Virtual Fighter. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Virtual Fighter's bomb. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's, that's pretty much it. I, 
It's like, I've just been like rattling off so many of these trivia facts because they're super, super interesting. Mm -hmm. I didn't even get a chance to talk about um, the Atari Jaguar or the um, the Sega Channel, which is really interesting, oh. which is online gaming before online gaming. Oh, you know, um, I've heard of that. I think. Yeah, Nintendo had a version called the Stella View. Um, there was a ton of portable systems in the 90s. Oh. Um, the portable TurboGrafx-16, uh, like the Nomad, it was a full TurboGrafx-16 portable. It had a TV tuner. Mm -hmm. Bunch of cool stuff. But uh, maybe it will, I'll dig up more of these facts and we can talk about them in a future topic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's our show. If you haven't already, subscribe to Nice Games Club in your favorite podcast app. And be sure to give it a good review if you liked it or are nice like us. We really need to know you're out there, so leave a review and tell all your friends too. We also want to hear directly from you, so follow us on Twitter and all the other things at Nice Games Club. And email us at contact at nicegames.club. Lastly, you can find more about the show, your nice hosts, as well as get all the links and show notes from this and other episodes at nicegames.club. So until we start again... Remember to play nice and make nice. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.